Well, hello, and welcome to the Through the Word podcast, as pastors Chris Mitchell and John Bell seek to answer questions that come from the reading of God's Word, beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Thank you for joining us. Well, hello, I'm Pastor John Bell. And I'm Pastor Chris Mitchell. And this is Through the Word, where we are answering questions from the Word of God, from the book of Genesis, all the way to the book of Revelation. I almost said generation. Uh, <laughs> well, got a little that includes there. everything there. That's all right. <laughs> but this week, we have questions that come from the book of Ruth and also from the book of First Samuel. And if you have a question for us, please send that in to... Through the word number 22 at gmail.com. Through the word 22 at gmail.com. And Pastor Chris, it's okay with you. Let's go ahead and get into some of the questions. All right, let's do it. All right, so the first one, it, it, it comes as just a, I guess, a, a strange way of telling somebody you like them. I don't know. It, and so just <laughs> I, help me, help us understand this. Why did Ruth ask Boaz to cover? her with the corner of his garment, or some translations say, spread your wings, you know, you know over me. And so the, the and that comes from Ruth chapter, Ruth chapter 3. And so just, why, why did Ruth ask Boaz to do this? Well, this was a symbolic act of covering okay. or care. Ruth had come home with Naomi seeking refuge under the wings or the cover of the God of Israel. Okay. And so now she's seeking refuge under the wing, as some translations say, you mentioned mm-hmm. there, of Boaz. Okay. So covering a woman with one's garment is symbolic of entering into marital relations. Now, Naomi, when she was given instructions to Ruth, she wasn't quite so bold. Right. <laughs> she didn't say, go do this. But Ruth essentially took it upon herself to okay. ask directly for the favor of marriage. Oh, okay. And so that's what this, that's what this was is an indication of. Yes, that's All right. symbolic of will you cover me and, and care for me. All right. Well, so, you know, it's not just on leap years in Ireland, but also <laughs> we find in the book of Ruth that a woman can propose. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she was bold about it. Absolutely. Well, I'm, th- I'm thankful for what happened and... Uh, oh yeah. Based on what we do have, you know, with Boaz and Ruth being married, we have this idea of a kinsman redeemer that's all throughout the book of Ruth and and who Boaz is is for the family. Mm-hmm. So, who is a kinsman redeemer is our question. Who is a kinsman redeemer? Well, the kinsman redeemer is a close male relative. Okay. Who according to the various laws of the Pentateuch had the privilege or the responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who is in trouble or maybe in danger okay. or, or had some sort of need. Okay. So this man had to have the right, he had to have the will, and he had to have the power to redeem. Okay. So there were three basic ways that this guy could do that. Okay. First of all, if it was a family member sold into slavery, mm-hmm. so he could redeem that. Okay. Second, it was land which needed to be sold under economic hardship so he could help redeem okay. that situation. Okay. Or um, the family by name using the liverate marriage. Okay. Um, and so this earthly custom of kinsman redeemer, 
pictures the reality of God the Redeemer yes. doing a greater work by reclaiming those who needed to be spiritually redeemed out of slavery to sin. Mm. So Christ, as a brother, yes. redeemed those who were slaves to sin. Okay. He also redeemed those who had lost all earthly possessions and privileges because of the fall. Okay. And he also is able to bring us back to God. We were alienated because right. of sin, but now we can be brought back to God. So Christ is our great kinsman redeemer. But Boaz gave us sort of a picture of that in his relationship and his care for Ruth. And, you know, not oddly enough, because we understand this is by the providence and sovereignty of God, Boaz, you know, there's Jesus in his lineage. Yes, absolutely. And so... <laughs> Praise the Lord. We have a kinsman redeemer, and Boaz right. acted as one here. Thank you for answering that question. The, the next question is kind of, it, it's a throwback, but it's also a right now. Um, it goes back to Deuteronomy 23.3, mm-hmm. and where God asked the people of Israel, or tells the people of Israel not to marry a, a Moabite. Um, and so the question is, did Boaz break God's law by marrying Ruth? according you know, to that passage. So the verse in question, I figure we better start there. Sure. The verse in question, Deuteronomy 23.3 says, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even okay. to the 10th generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Okay. Now, other commands in the Mosaic law forbade the Israelites from marrying the Canaanites. Okay. Like Deuteronomy 7 okay. uh, speaks yes. about that. All right. Now, Moab was not a Canaanite nation. Okay. And so those laws did not apply to Ruth and Boaz. Okay. Ruth was a Moabitess, however. Yes. Which is why this question has come up. Okay. Because, I mean, you see this here in three, and it's like, wait a minute. Short answer, Pastor John, is no, she didn't break God's law. Okay. okay that's a short answer. All right. But uh, let's, let's go a little bit deeper, though. Okay. Here's the justification. First of all, The command in Deuteronomy speaks to the naturalizing of Ammonites or Moabites, nothing about marrying them. Okay. So we don't see that there in verse 3. Okay. Second, the concern about marrying foreign women in general didn't have anything to do with a particular race or ethnicity, as if God, like, had it out for other nations. Okay. It was strictly a religious issue. So like Deuteronomy 7, 3 through 4 says, Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Mm. So that's not what's happening here, right? There's that concern about idolatry. Right. But in Ruth and Boaz's case, she repudiated her gods. Yes. She wanted to remain... Your God will be my God. Right. Your people, my people. Yes, and so as she stayed close to Naomi, she gave herself to the one true God. So then she was no longer a Moabite in a religious sense. Yes. So the threat of her leading Boaz astray to Chemosh, her people's God, was eliminated. Ruth discovered the God who, according to Acts 10, 34 through 35, does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So... Those decisions of Ruth meant that Deuteronomy 23.3 wasn't broken in their relationship. Okay, because it wasn't anything religious here. There's nothing, you know, that as far as Ruth entering in, because she was a follower of God. Right. She, again, repudiated her people's God. And so 
Praise the Lord, because it's not. It wasn't a matter of race. It was a no. matter of who are who are we allegiant to. And thankfully, when people, my ancestors used to worship oak trees. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Druids, and so <laughs> used to worship oak trees. And so, praise the Lord, we don't worship oak trees. We we cling to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, That's right. And Ruth forsook this, you know, those foreign gods and. She had given her life and saying, your God will be my God, your people, my people. And so in a way, we get to say the same thing. But, did, you know, did it answer? Did it break God's law? I mean, no. No. And we know that God blessed the marriage. Right. He blessed the marriage of Boaz and Ruth in order to further his redemptive plan. Praise the Lord. Yes. Well, we're going to shift there. We're going to go to a people that are not blessed because they were taking God's ark and trying to think that they could pair it up against their God and didn't fail, you know, did not go very well for no, that statue. I mean, <laughs> that was, fell down a couple a of times. a great story. <laughs> Head cut off. <laughs> just how worthless are these things? I mean, just, just bring them up against God anytime. But there was a really strange offering that the Philistines did with, you know, these times that they took the ark and returning it and, it's just strange. And so why did the Philistines make images of mice and boils as a gift off, a guilt offering to the Lord? And yeah, have you ever, I mean, what's an image of a boil anyway? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like a little... Yeah, I know. Just skin with... Oh. I mean, basically, you could probably, I guess, just do little droplets of gold. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, these... Yeah, it is. These were representations and acknowledgments that the disease... And the mice were a judgment from the hand of God okay. of Israel. Okay. So first of all, that that's what the they were trying to represent here, making these images of these things. It, they were the an acknowledgment. Yeah. That those boils. Right. And those mice came from a judgment. Okay. From the God of Israel. They didn't now, know any other way to do it. Right. Okay. The priests and the diviners of the Philistines had suggested back in First Samuel six three that the ark should be returned with a gift. Okay. And that gift was supposed to be a way of recognizing guilt in taking the ark from Israel and a way of compensating for this violation of the Lord's honor. So in their minds, it was, well, this is what we're supposed to do to appease their God. Okay. Now, Leviticus 5, 14 through 17, concerning guilt offerings... Sure. doesn't say anything about (laughs) guilt offerings from other nations. Okay. And it certainly doesn't say anything about... Mice, Mice and boils. boils, yeah. But the nature, the ancient Near East did share a concept of misusing holy relics for inappropriate purposes, and so therefore they felt it necessary to send back these items as a way of recompense to the god of the ark. Okay, that was their idea. Not really understanding he's the one true God, but they understood what happened whenever they were trying to go up against him yeah. and his glory. And isn't that interesting? I mean, just God's. DNA written on every image bearer, yeah. even though they rejected it, right. rejected that knowledge, mm-hmm. rejected him as king, they still had that sense of judgment and that sense of guilt and that sense of, wow, I, I, I owe their God something. Yes. And so <laughs> it was mice and boils right. that felt. Not rice and boils. No. Mice, mice and boils. And, oh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we we move on from there to this 
Um, How do you move on? I don't know. Mice and boil. Mice and boil sometimes hide in baggage. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) So so in 1 Samuel 10, we find the king that everybody wanted. He's tall and good looking from the tribe of Benjamin. Whenever he's going to be introduced to the people, he's, he's hiding. And so why is Saul hiding in with the baggage in 1 Samuel 10? Well, Scripture doesn't give us an answer okay. to it's, this question, okay? okay? So, I mean, that's my responses then and what we can talk about here are simply based on what we can know about the context. Okay. But they can't be verified with a particular chapter or verse. Right. It's, so, okay, that's just why we have this Make question. that disclaimer, <laughs> right? That's right. So I'm thinking, as we look at this, here's the king that you wanted to lead you yeah. into battle. Here's your king that had no equal among the people, was a head taller than any of the others. Here's the king that you asked for. Right. So unsure of himself that he's hiding away in and among the baggage. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. so as we understand this, a king wasn't the problem. Adam and Eve were called to reign as vice regents for God in the garden. Yes. So Israel's request for a king was problematic because they didn't want a monarch that confirmed or conformed to God's ideal. Mm. They wanted a king who would glory in himself. I they wanted know. a king who would fight their battles in place of or instead of the Lord. Mm. So Saul's hiding in the baggage when he was chosen by God demonstrates really a lack of trust in God's leadership. And as yeah. we know, that ultimately did not go well for Saul. No, because it happened more and more. Right. And as, and as it's happening here in 1 Samuel 10, you know, Saul was, Saul was picked by Lot. I mean, you know, the Lot came yes. and fell upon him. And so again, that's just further rejecting um, that I trust God in this. Yeah. Oh, the Lot fell to me. I'm going to go run hide. Mm. It's, oh, I don't really trust that the Lord was really choosing me. Because okay. we know that um, the lot was, is God's uh, choosing. It's, it wasn't luck or chance or anything yes. like that. It, it was directed by God. Right. And, and Saul is just saying that he's not really, he's not trusting the Lord. He's not trusting in what God is trying to do. But then he, you know, does eventually try to boast in himself and while boasting right. in the Lord. I mean, it's, uh, it's like a false humility almost here. I'm not mm. sure. Yeah, true. That's a but, good way to put it. But just recognize that the first king for the people of Israel was hiding in the baggage before he was introduced. <laughs> and right. here's your king. No, that is not their king. Their king is our Lord and Savior. And that's right. Not Saul, and but that's it's baffling to think that through. And he must have had a lot of baggage too. He I mean, must he's have. a head taller yeah. than everybody else, but he couldn't be found among Where's the all this baggage? I'm just yeah. thinking of somebody hiding in the cloak coat closet or something. Right. <laughs> like at a big banquet hall, but I know it wasn't like that then. Um but so Saul he continues to sin and he doesn't trust God, and so God takes his spirit from Saul. And so the question we have, because this happens. Um, this is more of a theological question. At First Samuel sixteen fourteen, we find that God takes His Spirit from Saul. So, will God take His Spirit from us? John ten twenty eight says, "I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand." Okay. 
So those who truly belong to Christ Mm -hmm. cannot be separated from his love. Yes. But what we have in 1 Samuel 16, 14 is not related to salvation. Okay. And it's not related to the Spirit's role in regeneration in a New Testament context. Okay. It's really about gaining or losing the Spirit's work in leading and guiding for the role of the king. Okay. So from here on out, Saul's going to attempt to govern without the work of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. That's what this is talking about here. Okay. This is not a salvation issue. No. Because our next question is, is Saul in heaven? <laughs> is he? All right, so, I mean, thoughts. Yeah, my, my answer, short answer is I don't know. Yeah, that's... Um, even for Old Testament saints, faith was necessary for salvation. Yes. Hebrews eleven six is clear. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. First Chronicles 10, 13 through 14 says, So Saul died for his breach of faith, okay. in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. So that means he didn't seek guidance from the Lord. Right. Now, that doesn't sound too promising. No, it does not. But, as I've said before, and I'll cling to for the rest of my days, God will always do what's right. Mm-hmm. And our response is simply to keep our eyes fixed on him. All right. That's what we'll do. That's right. Well, thank you for answering those questions today and thank look you forward for to offering through them. the next part of you know, the books of Samuel next week. And thank you guys for sending those in. Y'all have a great day and talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Through the Word podcast. If you have any questions for us, please send those in to throughtheword22 at gmail.com. That's through the word and the number 22 at gmail.com. God bless you. Have a great day.